Hello and welcome to the Career Speakeasy, a casual, fun, and irreverent place to share ideas about career development, the world of work, and life in general. I'm your host and proprietress, Kelly Nottingham. Growing your career should not be boring. So come on in, pull up a chair, and pick your poison. Hello, listeners. In case you didn't know from the videos I've been posting this month on my LinkedIn page, on the Career Speakeasy's Facebook page at Career Speakeasy Podcast, or on Instagram at Career Speakeasy, I love Halloween. I love its historic Celtic roots, although we won't be discussing that today. We're talking about modern secular celebrations of Halloween today. I love making and wearing costumes. I love the cheese ball decorations. I love the movies and the TV shows and don't even get me started on candy. I love gumballs and I'm sure my dentist probably loves that I love gumballs. And I love the commingling of fear and excitement of scary terror and the fun thrills that come with Halloween. And that's what we're discussing today, fear and how to make friends with it, how to use the benefits of fear to make our lives better and let go of fear that controls us too much or holds us back. Now, I'm not talking specifically about the stimulus that makes you afraid. I mean, if you want to make friends with a spider on your porch, that is completely optional. But I'm talking about the psychological, mental, and emotional reactions you have to that stimulus and making friends with that fear. That's what we're talking about today. My brilliant sister, Rachel, says that fear and excitement are opposite sides of the same coin. The difference lies in our self-talk about what the feeling means and how we approach it. And you can watch two people on a roller coaster and you know exactly what I'm talking about. One person is terrified and screaming in absolute horror, and the other person sitting right next to them is screaming out of the thrill and the joy and the excitement of it. Because fear and happiness and excitement release some of the same chemicals into our brains, we can actually feel excitement or happiness or fun when in some possible fear-inducing circumstances, like a haunted house. This is also why you should never start a romantic relationship with someone immediately after a really scary event. We see this trope in horror movies all the time, right? Consider this a piece of advice from your Auntie Kelly. Those chemicals are going to fade out and you're going to be left with some weirdo that you've barely known for two hours, but you were strangely madly attracted to just an hour ago. So what we're going to be talking about in our episode today, the benefits of fear and what it does for us. Three ways fear can go haywire and control us too much. Ways fear can show up in our lives. And we're going to look at four ways to make a friend out of our fear. Now, I'm not talking about severe fear here. For panic disorders, social anxiety disorders, phobias, and PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, those need way more qualified guidance and support than my little podcast could possibly offer. Frankly, I strongly encourage anyone dealing with a high amount of fear to go talk to a counselor or a therapist It never hurts to get a third party to help you through it. And don't let your fear of talking to a therapist get in the way of dealing with your fear. So let's look at some benefits of fear. 
First of all, it keeps us safe. It helps us to recognize dangers or possible threats. It helps us identify something that maybe our intuition is picking up on, but maybe our logical brain isn't. That kind of creepy, shivery feeling that we sometimes get. It keeps us from taking really dangerous risks. It gets us physically ready to deal with a challenge. It shows us where our comfort zone boundaries are. It helps us to plan proactively for challenges that might come up by identifying things that we need to watch out for. It can show us what we truly care about and value. And therefore, it shows us where our next steps on our path may be. Sometimes our fear can actually point the direction of where we need to go. Now, the problem is fear can go beyond being helpful to us. It can hold us back. It can keep us quiet, small, insecure, anxious, and unwilling to take risks. So yes, it keeps us safe, but fear can also keep us too safe. And it sees dangers or possible threats as bigger or more dangerous than they actually are. Instead of our brain learning from our intuition, fear can just shut our brains completely down. And we go into fear brain, where we avoid anything that has to do with a fear at all. And that keeps us from learning from our fear. Fear can keep us from taking any risks at all. Yes, it gets us physically ready to deal with a challenge, but if the energy has nowhere to go except to turn into internalized stress, we can have all kinds of mental and physical and emotional issues. We can lose sleep, we can have higher blood pressure, lower immune systems, the list goes on. Fear can keep us in an ever-shrinking comfort zone because despite what you may think about comfort zones, they usually don't stay static. They normally get smaller over time. It shuts down our ability to plan proactively for challenges that might come up by overwhelming us with things we need to watch out for. It can disguise what we truly care about and value by hiding behind surface fears. And we're going to talk about that more in just a few minutes. And sometimes our fear can point the direction where we should go, but the fear itself tells us to go the other way. So there are lots of ways that fear can show up, but we're going to look at three specifically that will show how fear can come into our lives. One, when we tell ourselves untrue stories about the fear, And we justify how it helps us. So, for example, being scared of snakes is keeping me alive. Or, never driving on major highways will keep me from getting in a car accident. Or, not talking about the problem with this work process is ensuring that people on the team like me. So, how might you be justifying your fear? How do you justify not doing something that scares you? Number two, when we identify ourselves as a blankophobe, which gives us permission to deny being able to change it. So for example, I'm arachnophobic and thus will never be able to look at a spider without panicking. Thus, I never have to try to get past it. If you self-identify as a worrier or quote unquote neurotic, you call yourself that, I'm talking about you here. Number three, when we don't examine the actual underlying fear and we just look at the surface fears instead. So I recently did a video about glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking. What's interesting is that people who have a fear of public speaking, it's often not actually about public speaking. 
It's a fear of being judged. It's a fear of being perceived as an imposter. It's a fear of losing status with people that we admire. It's a fear of making unforgivable mistakes. Essentially, it's a fear of being excluded from the group we're a part of or that we want to be a part of. But our fears can hide under those surface level fears. Now, fear also doesn't always show up as terror. It can show up as resistance, procrastination, anxiety, deflection. So for example, I'll do this instead of doing that thing that scares me. Scapegoating. So I can't leave this job that I don't like because they're depending on me. So it's their fault. Avoidance or rationalizing, not doing the thing. So let's take a hypothetical here. How about a fear of retiring? Now, some of us may think that this couldn't possibly exist, but there are actually a lot of people who have this fear without really realizing that they have this fear. So let's say we have a person. uh, She doesn't know what she's going to do after she retires, and she's putting off retiring. She's been doing this for years. If she's forced to retire, she decides she's just going to go get another job right away. Her boss kind of keeps asking, how much longer are you thinking you're going to work trying to make plans for the team? She won't answer because she's scared to lose her sense of identity, her usefulness, her friendships and connections with others, the feeling of being an expert, the feeling that her life has a purpose, the fear that she may just wither and die because she's heard of that happening when people retire. The sad truth is the fear, all of these fears are holding her back from what could be a fantastic new chapter of her life, but she may not realize that it is fear that's holding her back. We don't necessarily recognize the fear for what it is. It may feel mild, like a tickling sort of thought in the back of our heads that we don't realize is as deep and widespread and impactful as it is. That fear may show up in many places in our lives, like an aspen tree system with one huge connected root and many individual trees coming out of that one root. Our fears spread like this and take over other areas of our lives. Here's an example. Being judged as unacceptable or unlovable. This is a perfect example. The fear of being judged may just show up when a person is doing something really highly visible. That's what they think anyway. But in reality, it will show up in every conversation, in every situation where they are interacting with another person, and it can be absolutely debilitating. It may feel more severe in certain circumstances, but it's still there lurking in the background, even in those lighter situations where you might not think that it would come out. Now, fear can also show up as stress. Stress over losing our jobs, stress over financial security, stress over taking risks at work or at home or moving to a new city. Sometimes we don't think of stress as coming from fear about a situation or possible outcome, but it's definitely there. When we're not really scared about something, but we can't stop thinking and worrying about it, there's likely a fear of some kind lurking in the background. Now, the great news is there are ways to help us get control of our fear and use it in a way to help us make our lives bigger, more impactful, more fulfilling, and to take all of those chemicals and all of that energy and use it for something good. 
So we're going to talk about ways to make friends with our fear, because fear is really, truly an internal friend who's trying to keep us safe, but sometimes just gets a wee bit overprotective or obsessed or completely paranoid. Our fear can exaggerate issues or see dangers where there really isn't much danger or even any danger. If we don't take a closer look at the fear, we can just accept that as truth and let it paralyze us into inaction or fight against a non-existent enemy or divert us into making different choices out of fear. Now, we've talked before about the fight, flight, and freeze responses. This is our body's way of activating our entire being, our mind, and our body to be ready to deal with a threatening situation. Now, even though many of our threatening situations nowadays aren't actually life-threatening, our bodies still respond as if they are life-threatening. And I like to think of the fight, flight, freeze responses to fear as active resistance, that's the fight, active avoidance, that's the flight, and passive resistance or complete surrender, that's the freeze. Now, sometimes our fear is trying to tell us something and we don't listen to it. We downplay our intuition. We unintentionally end up quoting Han Solo by saying, I've I've just got a bad feeling about this. But instead of stopping and trying to actually understand what may be behind that fear feeling, we just power through. We try to make the fear go away by pushing through whether we're aware of the dangers or not. Or we try to ignore the fear completely and pretend that it's not there and just do something else. We can listen to our fear friend's advice. We can heed it. We can say, "Hmm, good point. Okay, yeah, we're going to go ahead and avoid the situation. Or we can listen to it and decide, you know, thanks for your input, but no, I'm not going to take that advice. Or no, I have a different interpretation of what's going on, so I'm going to proceed. Now, we can take some great lessons on making friends with fear from Halloween. I believe very strongly that Halloween is a psychologically healthy holiday, both on the individual and societal levels. If you think about it, it's kind of like a type of exposure therapy where we look at what scares us in a controlled, safe context so we can understand those fears more and so that scary things aren't quite as scary anymore. We look at things that tend to frighten us, things like spiders and snakes and bats and monsters and villains and death, the unknown, and our own vulnerability. It gives us a chance to kind of play with those ideas a little bit, to minimize their ability to scare us by really looking at them, decorating our homes with them, and even dressing up like them. We get to put on a new persona to mock the parts of life that otherwise we don't like to think about. We even make friends of the fearful creatures of Halloween. Just look at movies to see where the scary vampire or zombie or witch has gotten a backstory nowadays that show up their motivations in an effort to build empathy with the audience. This is something relatively new that we're seeing in movies and television and books. We're humanizing our fearful characters and we end up seeing the world from their perspective, which takes away some, if not all, of the fear of those characters. If you need an example that's really awesome, just go watch Hotel Transylvania if you don't believe me. Now, Halloween is also 
uh, to use a psychology word, a type of sublimation. It's a way of channeling our energy away from negative outlets into positive ones. So instead of feeling scared of death and dying, we may dress up like the dead. We spend our energy putting up a little styrofoam fake cemetery in our front yard. We watch movies about zombies and vampires and at least temporarily move our energy away from being afraid and toward curiosity. We exert energy in the opposite direction that our fear would take us. We go straight toward the fear and explore it and maybe even have some fun with it. Maybe even eat some candy with it. When we begin to break down the fear and understand what sits behind it, what drives it, we learn that maybe there is nothing to fear. We also learn about ourselves, what sits within our thoughts, our emotions, our past experiences, our assumptions, and how they've shaped the fear we have now. We can listen to the fear and understand what it's trying to tell us about the situation and about ourselves, and we can then decide if we want to hold on to those ideas and those fears. I mean, maybe they're completely legitimate, but maybe they're not. And we can keep them if we find that they're valid, or we can learn from them and then let them go. So our fear can be our friend, but a lot of times we push it into the dark unexamined and unquestioned. So the first important step to making friends with our fear is to get curious about it, bring it out into the light and befriend it, ask it some questions. Hello, fear friend. What are you trying to tell me about the situation? What are you trying to tell me about myself? Where else do you show up in my life? You can also ask yourself some curiosity questions. Where did this fear start? What is my history with this fear? What's the first time I remember feeling this fear? And what story or narrative or movie plot line in my head have I created to explain the fear? This next question is a big one. What is the root issue of the fear? What am I afraid of losing? What situations bring out the fear? How does it feel in my mind and my body? How are those chemicals affecting me? Now, if you aren't sure, start writing this down, even if it's just a few words when the fear hits. I actually recommend strongly writing out and journaling about this because it is incredibly helpful to write this stuff down. It starts to demystify it a bit. Now, the next step to making friends with fear is to address the fear head on. If your fear is telling you that there is a potential threat, so for example, that you may get laid off, is that fear actually true? What do you actually know about the situation? Is your lack of knowledge causing some of the fear? Also, if the fear may actually be true, well, what can you do to prepare for it ahead of time? Our fear response is designed to help us do something. So just being fearful isn't an end to itself. It's the preparation for whatever it is you need to do to deal with the situation. So what are you going to do? When people say that they're scared of losing their job because they don't have enough in savings and they're not sure how they'll make it financially, instead of just stewing in that fear or being angry about the possibility of getting laid off, the next step is to Figure out where you stand financially. Pull together current spending and income budgets so you can see where you are. 
Active steps can help you use those fear chemicals and those fear reactions in a productive way. The next step to making friends out of our fears is to look at the pros and cons of holding on to the fear like you do now. So what benefit do you get out of it? Is it giving you a sense of community with other people? You can all commiserate together. Does it give you a sense of security to hold on to that fear? Does it give you a feeling of control in an uncontrollable world? Feeling fearful and worried can give you the illusion of action. But unless you use your fear in a productive way, you're just really creating this illusion for yourself. It's not accomplishing anything except making you lose sleep and making your blood pressure go up. So how has your fear held you back? What losses have you experienced? What missed opportunities have passed you by because of your fear? How would your life be different without that fear? Our last step to making friends with fear today is to look for thoughts to challenge and use those thoughts to create a new story or narrative or movie plot line if you like to think that way. Our fear thoughts are super powerful because they've created neural highways in our minds. Thoughts go fast from point A to point B, and when they are attached to emotion, that neural highway in our brain gets wider and faster. So you have to take a look at those thoughts, what they're saying, and then create a new series of thoughts to replace them. You can give yourself or build evidence for why the new story and narrative is actually true. Maybe you've dealt with a similar situation with something else that scared you in the past and you were able to handle it. Maybe you've known other people who dealt with a similar fear successfully. When the fear thought comes up, consciously shift to the new story. Now, this takes a lot of time to rewire these thinking patterns, but it is absolutely possible. Often, because the original fear story isn't actually true, or it only has one or two proofs of its validity. But what if there's something that we actually want to do, but we're scared to do it? Let's say you've been thinking about going back to school so you can start a whole new career, but you're already mid-career. On those days when the sun is shining and you've had enough coffee and you're annoyed with your current career, going back to school seems totally doable. But after dark, when our fear brain is often at its busiest and most active and most powerful, the whole prospect is 110% terrifying. If fear is holding you back from doing something you want to do, here's a way to reframe those thoughts. Maybe you're fearful because you care about it so much. Maybe you're fearful because it's important to you, not because it's inherently scary. If it weren't important to you, you'd probably be completely ambivalent about it. The thought would come up, oh, maybe I should go back to school and start a new career, and you're like, meh, whatever. But the fact that you're scared about it, but you still can't stop thinking about it is a sign that maybe that's exactly the direction you need to go. And our fear friend can really help us out in this situation by showing us precisely what we're worried about if we take the time to examine it, which means we can take proactive steps to prepare for the possibility of that fear actually coming true and being ready in advance. So here's an example. Very early in my career, I was asked to lead a workshop with a team that was not working well together. That's a very nice way of saying 
that they would get into screaming matches and name calling on the job. It was great. The leaders of the group told me about some of the challenges that were going on. They talked about some of the examples that they were seeing and they wanted me to come in and sit down with this group of people and hash all of this out. Now, even though they told me what they thought was going on, you never know in these situations how they're going to go until you actually get in there, especially if there's a lot of antagonism in the group like there was with this team. I was so freaked out about this session. I had prepared what I wanted to say to them. I had re-prepared what I wanted to say to them, but I was frankly scared that one, the whole group was going to just blow up and start throwing things at each other. And two, that I was going to completely miss the mark on what the actual issue was and the group wouldn't get anything out of it. Now, I prepared for this for weeks, trying to make the presentation as good as I could, practicing it so that I would be ready. But that nagging fear was still there. What if this isn't the actual issue? What if I can't keep control of the room? My poor little fear friend was working so hard to get me ready for the session. But up to that point, I hadn't really listened. I thought if I just stuffed the fear down that it would go away. So instead of focusing on my presentation, I looked at ways to deal with the issues that were possibly going to pop up. How would I deal with the group saying that the main topic wasn't the actual issue? Well, I could try to cover everything or I could ask them at the beginning to identify what they think the problems are. I came up with some practical ways to get the group to open up and rehearsed what I could say and do to get the energy in the room calmer if needed. The result, the session went really well, which is great. But frankly, it was a huge learning opportunity for me. Had I not listened to my fear and just barreled ahead, that workshop would have been a disaster. My fear, once I actually sat down and examined it, wasn't about getting hit upside the head with a stapler. It was about one of my deepest personal values, which is helping other people. I was worried deep down that I wouldn't be able to help them and that if I couldn't help them, I might not get opportunities to help other people either because nobody would want me for workshops anymore. Once that was out there in the open, it was so much easier to address that root issue by asking myself, how can I help these people effectively? That was a question I could stop being afraid of and start to get excited about. All right, so we've discussed quite a bit in the session today, and now it's time for last call. Think about a fear that you have or that you experience regularly or predictably. Number one, get curious about that fear. Bring it out into the light and befriend it. Ask it some of those questions that we talked about, like, what are you trying to tell me about the situation and about myself? Where else do you show up in my life? Number two, address the fear head on. What do you actually know about the situation and is your lack of knowledge causing some of the fear? And if the fear may be true, what can you do to proactively prepare and use that fear response productively? Number three, look at the pros and cons of holding on to it. What benefit do you get out of that fear? How has the fear held you back? How would your life be different without the fear? And number four, 
Look for thoughts to challenge and come up with a new story or narrative that you want to share. Now, if you're a worrier or a blank ophobe of whatever kind, what new identity can you take on that gives you the power instead of giving your power over to the fear? If you didn't have the fear, what would the next step in your story be? And how can you take one step toward that? All right, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful Halloween, a blessed Samhain if you celebrate that, and Feliz Dia de Muertos. Talk to you all soon. Bye. Well, thanks for joining me. If you have suggestions, feedback, or just something random you want to share, email me at careerspeakeasy at gmail.com and come visit again soon. Cheers. Cheers.